Today on Stick to Football, we preview the AFC North, and it's going to be a tough division, let me tell you. We're also going to have some fun talking home run derby, updating Connor on how Tinder works, because I got a very long email about this, and he doesn't know about it. It's going to be a surprise. We have our question of the day, also your draft on draft questions. I don't want to jump right to the, the email, but we got a long message, guys. Telling Connor to basically give Tinder another try after he kind of trashed it last episode. So I, I never have tried it ever. Oh well, maybe we start the show yeah. here then. I don't know. <laughs> so, Might yeah. as well get into it. Yeah. We're here now. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot going on in the NFL right now, so we'll just jump to this. I'm sorry. It was a tweet. It was a string of t- of tweets to the Six Football account, and he said, "I just got around to listening to Friday's pod. It was my wife's birthday, and how did we meet? You ask." Tinder. We met in the parking lot of the Columbia Mall because I was worried I was being catfished. He says our attractiveness levels don't match up. I'm very lucky. <laughs> Upon confirming she wasn't a murderer and without ever getting out of my car, I waved to her to follow me. In a moment that contradicts her high level of intelligence, she decided that was good enough for her to head back to my apartment with me. We wrote a song and decided to start a band. Now we're married, touring musicians. Sometimes a series of bad decisions just works out. Anyway, Connor sounded a little salty towards Tinder, and we just wanted to encourage him to hang in there. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> what a story. And, like, looking at their Twitter account, they're legit. Yeah, they, they like, really le- are. <laughs> they're really legit. So I don't use Tinder here because in new york city it's just kind of become like a spam joke like it's really not people don't like take it seriously people really don't meet up anymore off tinder maybe a couple years ago but everyone out here uses bumble or hinge that's i'm not hating not hating at all but and maybe it's not like this everywhere. And I know, Matt, you don't use it out, I know, in Joplin. Have. So. Um, yeah, no. Oh, you have. We're okay. behind the times. Like, everything gets, like, I feel like we're a year behind you guys on all technology, basically. So it's okay. like. On all apps. On all apps, yeah. So You guys like, are on the iPhone 6 right yeah, now. Yeah, Mellow Trader. I upgraded. <laughs> I upgraded to the 8. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like, I can remember, you know, obviously when BR was still in San Francisco, I, like I would, you know, all my friends who worked there would tell me about these things, and I'd be like, "Oh, we like no one in Missouri does that yet." And that's really how Twitter was. I was, I still, we have people that were like, they want to follow the show and like everything we're doing. And we're like, "Oh, just follow us on Twitter." They're like, "Oh, I don't have Twitter." Like, what? How? What is the Twitter? How can you Man. be a sports fan and not not have Twitter? It's kind of crazy. So yeah, that's uh, that's your good news for the day. Congrats to our friends and happy Stuck birthday to your it. wife. Out the he car waved at and her. Waved at her. Oh man, yeah. Maybe that's. I've been. Maybe I've been doing it wrong. You need to play like the, you know, kind of like I don't know what I'm doing card. Yeah, or the just I really don't give a fuck card. Like, <laughs> yep, just come on over. Mellow does wave you him. over. Works for him. So let's start with a little bit of news. We actually do have something. The supplemental draft is today as you're listening to this. You can't watch it on TV. You can't follow the conference call. I actually think it's all done online now. Teams put in bids on players. Highest bid gets the player. Uh, There's a lottery. It's not based on win or loss record like it used to be. So there will be a lottery tomorrow morning. You find out what tier you pick in put a bit on a player you might get them um, there are a couple players that uh, we think maybe have a chance to get drafted Jalen Thompson uh, from Washington State is without a doubt the best one uh, started 39 games the past three years uh, uh, lost his eligibility to a violation of NCAA rules which could mean anything it could mean he like looked at a cheeseburger at McDonald's and thought somebody might buy yeah. it for him but he's he made a, a YouTube video or something like that right yeah loaned someone his shoes he's 510 a little bit undersized I think he has good potential as a slot corner i think that we will see him get picked tomorrow yeah and or today sorry we were talking about it before we started recording he came out and ran a pretty impressive 40 a 447 and like connor you mentioned this is not a guy who's been in arizona training to run the 40 and then gets a 447 this is a guy who is maybe coming off of a spring practice that didn't have that time to train and get ready for the combine and still comes out and impresses athletically Without a doubt. I think this is a very good stride for him. I think when you look at it in the supplemental draft, it's uh, you kind of put an asterisk next to when the guys run 40s because, once again, they just haven't had that kind of time to get ready. So really good numbers for him, really productive numbers for him over the years as a starter. And let's be really played in the Pac-12. So uh, there's going to be a fan base that is going to have him on their roster very, very shortly. And I think they should be excited about it because I think he can – come in, maybe play special teams and be a kind of late addition as a depth piece yep. for the 2019 NFL season. He kind of reminds me of Justin Evans, who's with the Buccaneers now, I think still. You know, that guy's like kind of a safety, kind of a corner. Um, so, yeah, he, he definitely will hear his name called. Marcus Sims, the receiver from West Virginia, might. 
I mean, he was like the fourth receiver at West Virginia last year, but he, he does have good size. Um, there are some off-field concerns. He had a DUI. Um, he had two of them, actually, back in 2017. So there, there's you know there's some question marks there that keep, keep him from getting drafted. Then there's some uh, other – Syracuse has a linebacker, Shaheem Colon. And then um, we've talked about this before, Mello. Northland, Minnesota tight end, Devin R. Clarington. Right, the Juco tight end who came out of Texas. I don't – I could see maybe somebody taking a seventh-round flyer on him. Just on the athleticism. But I wouldn't. I mean, I would just try to sign him after he goes undrafted. Yeah, that's that would be the move. Uh, other news, guys, Glover Quinn retired, which kind of went under the radar, which is, I think, a good analogy for his whole career. He was a good player, a good defensive back for a number of years. He, he ended up, I think he played 10 years in the NFL, but kind of went under the radar. Uh, he announced his retirement Tuesday morning. Um, I really just wanted to mention it because I feel like he's been one of those like unsung stars of the NFL for the last five or six years who career didn't start that well, but finished really strongly. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can play that long, 10 seasons in the NFL, congratulations to him. Like He's pretty much set for life now. Well, what's pretty wild about his career is he had he hasn't missed the game since 2009, I think. He was a 16-game starter from 2010 to 2018. So uh, he might not have had maybe the flashiest numbers all the time or anything like that, the high interception totals towards the end or at the beginning of his career. But when you talk about consistency and being on the field – at a position where there is car crash after car crash. I know they've worked on eliminating those the last couple of years, but he's been on the field since 2009. That's the number that really, really stands out to me. Yeah, yeah, really strong career. Um, and, and it's like, it seems like when we talk about guys who retire when they're going to be a Hall of Famer, like Gronk retires, and it's all we talk about. Guys like Glover Quinn deserve a little bit of love as well. Uh, before we get into our AFC uh, North preview, I do want to mention the home run derby that happened Monday night. Melo and I went and watched it. I'm sure Connor was watching it because his guy, uh, Pete Alonzo, winning the home run derby, uh, which he was the favorite. So congratulations if you uh, bet the chalk. You made some money maybe on Pete Alonzo. But watching it last night, I, I always t- joke to you guys, like, I can't turn off the scouting part of my brain. So I'm, like, watching these guys, and I'm telling Melo, like, Vlad is, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is built like Devin Bush to me. Like, I'm comparing them to NFL players or, like, looking at the arm length of Pete Alonzo and Jock Peterson, the hand speed of uh, Acuna Jr. I'm fascinated by how athletic these baseball players are. Oh, they really are. Not, I mean, not to go full baseball, but when the Reds wore their cutoff jerseys, like, they hide some biceps under oh, those yeah. sleeves sometimes. Because you see Puig and what he was able to, I mean, that guy's rocked up. They are definitely athletic. I loved it. I think this is one of the best home run derbies I've ever watched. I love the fact that they said, fuck it with this rule where the ball has to land before you can throw the next pitch. <laughs> because it was great. And I, I kind of felt bad for Jock Peterson because he was doing it. He was the first guy up, and he was letting every ball land, and he still hit 21 home runs. I thought he was going to get screwed, but he still got to advance. And obviously, Jock Peterson and Vlad Jr., that was the best like sports that I've seen in a long time. That was like Rocky Drago. I mean, they're just trading hits left and right. I was surprised that Alonzo won it, Connor. I know like he's having an amazing year. He looks like he's going to be a great player. I was surprised that he won it after seeing Vlad hit like 60 home runs. Man, it's the classic case of just, you know, kind of tiring yourself out. Yep. Vlad, it's such a violent swing. And he put on, he actually put on a show longer than I expected. I thought the first round he was going to go off, and he obviously did. But what he did in the second round, and the problem is when you start to go into the playoff and you keep having to go longer and longer, he was just too tired for the finale. Now, what I will say is, and you know, I'm absolutely pumped that Alonzo won it. If Alonzo had a decent pitcher, he might have hit like 35 in a round. Think about how bad the pitches were that his co- his cousin almost hit him one time. <laughs> That's right. how bad the BP was from his cousin. So it was awesome from Alonzo. I think the energy was phenomenal. A lot of great energy from the Cleveland fans. And it, it, I'm with you, Melo. That was one of the best home run derbies I've seen. I know, it, you know, once again, a little biased because my guy was in it and won it. But I think the the entire thing, even what Josh Bell did, he lost in the first round and still put on a show. So I liked the juiced baseballs in the home run derby. <laughs> I like the just keep throwing it. Who cares if it lands or not? Because it just it really adds for pure entertainment all around. I was going to say, and I tweeted about this and people got mad at me. Do not let a family member throw BP to you unless that family member pitched 
at like a Division One college. Like, don't yeah, do or it. He, you know, he's coaching somewhere. Like Bryce Harper's dad. That's different. Did it, and that's yeah, that's King different. King Griffey. Different. If you're just bringing out your pops because you want to have him on the stage with you, like, good luck, Matt Chapman. It didn't pay off for <laughs> right. you. You almost got beamed a couple he times. Got walked. I mean, oh, yeah. it, was, it was absolutely terrible. But I, I think it was the best home home run derby I've ever seen. That's actually one of my favorite sporting events. Like, obviously, the draft is up there. The dunk contest, I don't even really enjoy anymore. I think the home run derby is one of the best. I do, too. And you mentioned the dunk contest. I think it used to be a long time ago. It was the like marquee event for all-star sports. Like Jordan, events. Kobe, like when those guys were doing it. Yeah, and it's just it's so hard to be original anymore because it seems like every dunk has been done. I mean, you can still watch a guy pull the ball down the left field line, and if it goes 500 feet, you're in awe every time. I, mean, I can only watch so many Vince Carter dunks before I'm like, yep, so, I've yeah. seen that before. And I think baseball is often under fire for being one of the least entertaining, at least from a pure entertainment view. Baseball really gets a lot of flack for it all the time or how they market their players on social media. So I think they should take advantage of the home run derby, and other leagues should see that and try to find their own version. Yes, of course, the dunk contest, though, It, I mean, maybe this is just my opinion, but I do think it's become very, very stale yeah. recently. Yeah. I don't know if it's... They need to change the format, or guys are running out of things to do. But the home run derby, at the end of the day, it's it's just home runs. So when it comes down to it, it it's still entertaining because they do find new ways to spice it up each year. I think the, the one that needs the – for all the great the NFL does for the fans, it's still amazing that the Pro Bowl is just – it so sucks. underwhelming. So every, yeah, that's really the real way to put it. It, it just sucks. And it is on a they, weekend. They need to find a way to make it better. It's on a fucking Sunday. Like, yeah. <laughs> the All-Star game is a Monday-Tuesday event, and people still come out for it. Like the Pro Bowl, you have a Saturday-Sunday that you could have events. And I mean, it's not like they're playing a real game. Nobody expects that. You look at the NBA All-Star game, it's not a real game. But you could go make the you know the dunk contest, the home run derby. The NFL needs something like that, and I think we'll talk about that when we get to draft on draft. Guys, it's time to preview the AFC North. If you missed it, on the Monday morning show, we previewed the AFC East. We'll be going division by division over the next couple of weeks before we get into our college football preview. Up first, guys, the Cincinnati Bengals. And if you if you missed Monday's show, haven't listened to it yet, we're going to give you a breakout player. We're going to talk about a record prediction. And then we're going to circle back and give you division MVP, d- defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, most improved player, some awards we're going to hand out. But let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals. A um, lot of turnover there. Finally, fire Marvin Lewis. You have a, a brand-new head coach in Zach Taylor, who I, I think surprised a lot of people that he got a head coaching job this early. The hope is he's going to fix the offense. My breakout player for them is going to be someone on the offensive side, and that's wide receiver Tyler Boyd. I think we saw glimpses of this last year when he went off 76 catches over 1,000 yards, but it was kind of under the radar of A.J. Green. Like, A.J. Green's an umbrella that covers everything, and I think because the Bengals weren't good, because Andy Dalton's not exciting, we're not talking enough about Tyler Boyd. I think he can do better than those numbers this year and will emerge as one of those bright, young receiving stars in the NFL that we need to be talking about more. And for my breakout star for the Bengals, I might be cheating because this guy had one hell of a year last year, but Jesse Bates out of Wake Forest was a great, great rookie player. But nobody's really talking about him because he is a Bengal. This dude had 111 tackles last year. And then also three interceptions while starting 16 games. No one knows, well, I guess I should say a lot of people probably aren't familiar with him. I know a lot of people have talked about how he had a great year, but I think that he's really going to break out and start to be more of that star free safety because they really hit on this draft pick. They got him late, and I really like his game, and I think he's going to have another big year, uh, maybe even more interceptions. I don't know if you can have more than 111 tackles at safety because that's amazing, but I do think that he's going to grow and progress for that second year. He's an exciting player for that defense. I mean, you look at what he could do in coverage coming out of college. I think that was a great find for Cincinnati. I'm going with somebody who can also be considered for a comeback player of the year. Carl Lawson had a phenomenal rookie season after being a day three pick where he had eight and a half sacks. Last year, unfortunately, he got hurt and missed most of the season after a kind of slow start. So Lawson hopes to be ready for week one of the season. He might not be ready to go for training camp right away, but... You talk about a player that can really be a double-digit sack 
kind of guy with what he can do off the edge. I love Carl Lawson's game. I think this defense has some young talent. William Jackson is a really, really impressive cornerback. So they need everybody to be healthy and ready to go if they want to have a good season. I just I'm, I love Carl Lawson and just think he can be a premier pass rusher if he can finally stay healthy because his injuries go back to his days at Auburn. Yeah, it's really too bad. I thought he was a top 20 player in that class, but the injuries just really, yeah, really hurt him. Let's talk about the record prediction. Uh, unfortunately, uh, talk about player injuries. First round pick Jonah Williams, who was going to play left tackle, gets hurt. He's going to miss the year. This is a roster that I think you can look at it and find exciting players. You could find Tyler Boyd and Jesse Bates and Carl Lawson. Those are three potential young stars, not just for Cincinnati, but for the entire NFL. But there are so many holes on this roster as well. You have aging guys. You have Andy Dalton. This is kind of, I mean, very blah. I don't even know what else to say about Andy Dalton. Joe Mixon, last year over 1,000 yards. Hopefully he can carry them. But this is a brutal schedule. And I know I've already seen people tweeting at us like, well, this team's like schedule uh, toughness rank is this. That's based on last year. When we look at and say a team has a tough schedule, that's based on the moves and additions they've made, how good we think those teams will be. So it is a little more predictive than just a hardcore stat. But the Bengals' schedule is tough. Uh, They have to play the NFC West. They have to play their own division, which might be the best in the entire NFL. I think this is going to be a rough year for Zach Taylor as a first-time head coach. This probably signals the end of Andy Dalton as the Bengals' starting quarterback. We could see A.J. Green get moved this season. I think there's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of turnover for Cincinnati. Guys, I have them going 4-12, and and it was hard to find those four wins, but I I think they got a chance against the Bills. You know, they have a chance against the Cardinals. They probably have a chance against the Jags. Otherwise, like, this is just a – it's going to be a long season in Cincinnati. Yeah, and I agree with you, too. In looking at the schedule, it is going to be tough to find wins, and that's why we're all kind of in the same boat here. I'm going 3-13. and I I think if you're a Bengals fan, I'm sorry to tell you, but I think you're kind of expecting this is going to be a bad year. You are probably going to be in contention for that first pick overall unless, you know, at the Dolphins, maybe that's a win that you can get. Maybe you can steal one in your division. Uh, Maybe the Jets, maybe the Cardinals, who knows, but it's going to be tough. I don't think there's any way that they get more than five wins this year. So I'm going three and 13 for the Bengals. And we talked about it on the Monday show with the Miami Dolphins. At some point, you got to bottom out to really reboot. And I think that's the situation for Cincinnati right now. Even worse, this is one of the toughest divisions in football. New coach, A.J. Green, he's going to be 31 this year, and he has been banged up a little bit with that foot coming off the you know last season. So I look at this team, I can only find two wins. And would it shock wow. me if they win four games? Not at all. But the point is the Bengals are going to be, number one, I, I have really, impressive records for the other three teams in this division. I think those teams are going to beat up on Cincinnati. Like you said, Matt, this is a pretty tough schedule for the Bengals. Just a big transition period. I don't even, if I'm a Bengals fan, I don't even feel bad about bottoming out because I think it'll give them a chance to get their franchise quarterback for the Zach Taylor era. Yeah, we can see Justin Herbert in uh, in some stripes in a year. Wouldn't surprise me. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. This team has been talked about at length on Stick to Football over the past few months. We all believe that they are one of the fastest rising teams in the NFL, but that does hinge on a first-year head coach in Freddie Kitchens, who did a great job last year taking over calling plays uh, while Greg Williams was the interim head coach. So we're excited about this team. For a breakout player, I actually had a hard time finding a Browns player that you could call breakout because they have turned this roster over so much. You can't call Baker Mayfield a breakout player. You can't call Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry a breakout player. And and I think that like I really like Rashard Higgins. I like Antonio Callaway, but they're going to be overshadowed so much by the two former LSU superstars at receiver. It's hard to find someone to pick. They are established across the board, and I'm not going to pick an offensive lineman to break out. Sorry, just not going to do it. So I went with Greedy Williams, who was their first pick of the draft. It was in round two. Greedy was one of my top, I believe he was my top corner when it was all said and done. The rankings were very close together. I don't know how this guy felt around two. Greedy is absolutely amazing as a talent. He has length, he has speed, he has toughness. He is going to be I think, like Denzel Ward was last year, he's going to be rock solid. Yeah, I love Greedy. I cannot believe that he fell to the second round. And I'm going to kind of cheat again and take a guy that had a very good rookie campaign. But for some reason, Nick Chubb did not get carries until like week seven. He didn't even have a game where he had more than 
three carries until week seven. And on one of those against the Raiders, he went three carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck Hugh Jackson had against this guy, but Freddie Kitchens seems to love him because as soon as he took over, then you start to see 18 carries a game, 18, 22, 20, 28. Freddie Kitchens likes Nick Chubb, and he should because the guy was amazing last year. Averaged 5.2 yards a carry, had eight touchdowns, just under 1,000 yards. I think that he's going to blow up this year. If you are listening to this and you're like, I need a fantasy running back, get Nick Chubb because I really think he's going to be very productive. He's going to be a breakout guy this year for 2019. The Browns are going to be very good, and I think a lot of that offense is going to go right through Nick Chubb. Yeah, he's going to be the workhorse in that group. I know it's exciting with Odell and Baker and Joku, all those guys over there, but you look at Chubb, he's going to be the rock-solid workhorse. I went on the defensive side of the ball here with Jannard Avery. Yes, they have Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi. They have Olivier Vernon. I mean, the list goes on and on in the talent in that front seven. But you look at Avery. He had four and a half sacks as a rookie last year, really as a rotational kind of player. I think that role can increase this year. I think we can see him get to the eight-sack mark. Mark, if the opportunities are there, I really, really like this player, and I think the Browns got an absolute steal with him. This is a very, very loaded roster, and we're going to learn a lot about Freddie Kitchens. We're going to learn a lot about the point where Baker Mayfield maybe starts losing some games, and now he bounces back from that. I have them at 11-5 and five going into next year now, guys. I think... They're going to do really, really well. I think this is a group that's going to catch fire early on. The schedule is, you know, not easy. Being in that division is not easy, but I think Baker's the guy to lead them. I know we talk a lot of shit on this podcast and laugh about it, but this offense is too good, and honestly, when they do start to struggle or, you know, go through some struggles, I think the defense can carry them. Yeah, maybe I should reiterate this. I absolutely hate Baker Mayfield, obviously, but he is one hell of a quarterback, and this team is set up to be very successful this year and I be it was months ago Matt might have been on our radio show but I predicted 10 and 6 for the Browns and at that time I think a lot of people were even like I don't know if they'll be that good I do think they're going to be that good I actually think they're going to win this division this year with all the pieces they've added if they don't you got to take a hard look at Freddie Kitchens because they have a great team coming back Obviously, added guys like Odell Beckham. You're going to get Nick Chubb involved. You've added pieces on the defense. I think that right now, they are no longer the laughing stock in this division. They are going to be the top dog, no pun intended, in the AFC North. Oh, no pun intended, my ass. He wrote that line last night. I agree with you guys. I think this is a breakout team. I, I really do. If they don't win the AFC North, I remember sitting with you guys draft weekend saying the Browns are going to win. They're going to win the AFC North. Like, they're that good of a team. And I, I'm. on board with Mello. If they don't, then I think John Dorsey has to look at Freddie Kitchens and say, all right, I went with the guy the players wanted. Now it's time for me to go get uh, maybe who I want. But it's not just Freddie Kitchens. This staff is good. Todd Monken's in there. Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator. Uh, Mike Pry for a special teams coordinator. This is a very good coaching staff to go with a very good front office. It's very hard for me to imagine that not working out. So I have them at 10-6 and six as well. If they were in almost any other division, I could see them winning 12 games. Like This is just a, it's a tough division. They are still young. And even though they do have some veterans at key positions, they're new together. Like, how quickly will Baker and Odell be on the same page? When, uh, how quickly will we see, you know, Cream Hunt get back into the fold when he comes in? Uh, what type of carries will he take away from Nick Chubb? And I do still worry about the offensive line a little bit here. I, I know they've made some some additions there. I have some concerns about the offensive line. We need to see some people improve uh, a little bit on the go, but I think it's going to be a, a bright season for Cleveland, which good for them. Like the, the fans who have stuck by this team deserve all the riches that are about to come their way. They, and they have a great fan base, and I'm not just trying to butter up the people that listen to it because they probably hate me, but they are, have been very supportive. They've sat through some real shitty teams, and it feels like a million different quarterbacks. You guys finally have it going there in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely do. All right, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Connor basically robbed their best player, the Jets, C.J. Mosley. They have a young quarterback in Lamar Jackson who made some exciting plays last year. We're all going to be looking to see what type of step forward he takes this year. John Harbaugh is back as head coach. There were some question marks even in December if, if that would happen or not. So while some things remain the same, there has been a decent amount of turnover for them. They added Marquise Brown in the first round of the draft. 
And that's actually where I'm going to go. Uh, excuse me, where I'm going to go with my breakout player, got ahead of my notes, is on defense with Kenny Young because he is going to be asked to step in for C.J. Mosley. I liked Kenny a lot coming out of UCLA. A very athletic inside linebacker. One of those guys, you know, not real big. He was like 6'1", 235, but very good range. Was a, a three-year starter in college. He's instinctive. So I would keep an eye on Kenny Young as we look at the guys who are going to have to replace C.J. Mosley. When you think about who's going to replace Terrell Suggs on the edge. They drafted Tim Williams a couple years ago. They drafted Jalen Ferguson this year. So they have some exciting young players that we like as prospects. We just need to see them now fulfill that role as a player. And I'm going to go back to the offensive side of the ball because we laughed our asses off at this guy, and I think he shut a lot of people up last year. Orlando Brown had a pretty damn good year at that right tackle position and showed that he can actually move his feet. He can do a couple bench press reps that he couldn't at the combine. So I'm going to go with Orlando Brown. I think that he can come in that second year, work with that group. They have a pretty solid offensive line, and if he can help protect Lamar Jackson, I think a lot of people will start talking about him as a breakout player. I'm going with the first round pick from two years ago in Hayden Hurst, who might have had a disappointing rookie season. You know, wasn't always on the field, didn't get to 200 yards. Rookie tight ends often, often struggle. And I know Mark Andrews was pretty decent there last year, but I like the upside of Hurst in this offense. I think Lamar Jackson can lean on him. I think Hollywood Brown is going to create a lot of space clearing out over the top. They're going to run the football a lot. So I'm excited to see Hurst bounce back this year and be the first round tight end that they hope to get that year when they took him. I'm still a believer in this team, as you guys know, and I have them at 11-5. and five. I have them at the top of the division because of the divisional record tiebreaker. I-, I like Baltimore. I think they have the best secondary in football. I really do. They're very, very deep at corner. Their safety tandem of Tony Jefferson and Earl Thomas can take away the football, yet we have to see growth from Lamar Jackson as a passer. They can't just run the football every single play. I think Hollywood Brown, if he could stay healthy, can really, really help out there, not just as a receiver, but but once again, clearing out space for the run game. So I think the Ravens are going to win this division at 11-5. and five. I think the Browns make the playoffs as a wild card, a tough wild card when you win 11 games. But I still like the core they have and the experience the coaching staff has in Baltimore. And I like Baltimore. I like what they're doing. Obviously, they made the, the playoffs last year. I think that Lamar Jackson's going to struggle a little bit. I think that he came in last year and obviously was able to be successful. They have a tough schedule. I think they're going to definitely start out 2-0. and They have at the Dolphins and then the Cardinals. I think they can take care of business there. But then looking at this schedule, they either play some pretty hard teams or some pretty easy teams. I mean, Dolphins, Cardinals. Then you have the Chiefs, Browns, Steelers. That's a hard three games. Then you get the Bengals. That should be another win. Then you have to go at Seattle. You have to face the Patriots before you get the Bengals again, the Texans, the Rams. Those are some of the NFL elite teams right there. So I'm going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They might be a better team than they were last year, but I don't think their record is going to reflect that in 2019. You guys took all my talking points, which is funny because we don't put our talking points in the rundown. So it's not like like anyone's taking anything. I'll say this. To Connor's point, this is a fantastic secondary. It's a pretty good offensive line. My concerns are the wide receiver core, even though they did add Hollywood Brown. This is a group that really struggled last year. And guys like Jordan Lasley are going to have to step up. Willie Sneed's going to have to be a big-time player. Chris Moore is going to have to be a big addition. They did draft Miles Boykin as well. I know Mello loved him. I was waiting for his name so to pop So we'll up. see where he fits in. But, yeah, they, they you know need those three tight ends that they rely on to have big seasons. And I actually worry about the front seven a little bit. I know I said Kenny Young could be a breakout player, but losing Terrell Suggs, even though he was a veteran guy, that's a lot to replace in terms of leadership. It's a lot to replace in terms of production and impact. The fact that he scared the shit out of offensive tackles. So our guy Brandon Williams is going to have to make a lot of plays in the middle. Chris Warmly is going to have to step into a bigger role. So I do worry about those two key positions. I don't know what we're going to get from Lamar Jackson. I I thought early in the year, oh, well, he's not that good. He's showing us a lot of what he showed at Louisville. Exciting player, explosive, but missing too many passes. Then he got hot, and it was like, oh, damn, you know what? Maybe we were wrong. Maybe he figured it out. Then the playoffs came, and the Chargers were like, here's seven DBs. Throw the ball. And he couldn't do <laughs> we it. dare you. He couldn't do it. So he needs to take, I think of all the rookie quarterbacks, he needs to take the biggest step. Yeah, and he does have some good receivers. I know that they're young, but Marquise Brown, and obviously I love Miles Boykin, and then you throw in every tight end that they have on this roster. There are a lot of them. Eight million of them. Exactly. And then Mark Ingram in the backfield, 
I mean, hopefully he is the running back that we still think he is. He's getting up there in age. Justice Hill, I think, is probably the next best guy. I know they have Gus Edwards, but maybe that running game struggles to get going this year. And if Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball, I mean, you cannot just rely on running. And he might be one of the best scrambling quarterbacks that we've seen in a very long time, but you're going to have to throw the ball, and you do have some young receivers. So if that fails, I think this team will too. Yeah, I had them at 7-9. and The Steelers, uh, you lose Lev, although he was out last year. You lose AB. This is a, it's a very, very different roster this year, but you still have Big Ben, still have James Conner, still have Juju, and the defense got a lot better. They traded up for Devin Bush. My breakout player is actually who they took in the first round of the 2018 draft, the guy we've had on the show, Terrell Edmonds. I'm expecting big things from him at the safety position. Another pick that, yeah, we made fun of when they drafted him in the mm-hmm. first round because no one expected it, but it doesn't matter where you're expected to be drafted. After you've been drafted. Right. You're in the NFL. You're in the NFL now. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to go with the second round pick there, James Washington. I think we've talked about him, it feels like, a million times before. Somebody has to get the targets, and it feels like he's going to be that deep threat in this offense, and he's going to be able to produce a little bit more uh, now that he's in there with the ones or at least even higher up on the depth chart. So I think James Washington is going to be the breakout receiver for the Steelers. I went with the no-brainer here and took Devin Bush. And I know most of the time we've stayed away from rookies at breakout players, but sometimes it's so obvious that you have to address it. I mean, Bush should be a defensive rookie of the year favorite, or at least one of them. He's going to be a tackling machine. I think he brings a new identity to the middle of this defense. So I love the aggressive play to go get Devin Bush, and it's going to show up real quickly on the field. I have the Steelers at 10-6, and and we've seen a lot of teams in the past miss the playoffs with 10 wins. It's tough. This division is really tough. The AFC is really tough. The wild card spots are not going to be easy. You're going to probably have two teams come out of this division. You're going to have the Chargers right back in it, obviously going neck and neck with the Chiefs. So the Steelers, I still think they're a really good football team. I'm curious to see what kind of Big Ben we get this year and if everyone can stay healthy. I think they've tried to do everything they can to stay neck and neck with those other teams. Ten wins is good. I just don't know if it'll be enough to sneak in as a wild card. And I like the Steelers, too. I don't want to sound like I'm harping on them here. I'm going to have them go 9-7, and seven, but they could also start the season at 1-5 and five and be a good football team. You have to face the Patriots, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and if Garoppolo is right, that could be a very good football team. So that could be a loss because you have to go to San Francisco. They will beat the Bengals, but then they have the Ravens and at the Chargers. That's a tough couple six games right there before you hit the bye week. They could start off one and five and everybody say, what the hell is going on in Pittsburgh? This is what we have without guys like A.B. and Le'Veon Bell. Those That's just a tough schedule. So I'm going to go nine and seven. I think they can probably sneak in with a wild card. This is just a it's a tough division, maybe the best in all of football. So I'm going nine and seven for the Steelers. I actually went nine and seven too, which was hard for me. I really like this roster. And I know that that means nothing once you actually like put the pads on and play the games. But on paper, like this roster is pretty good. You know, James Conner's done a great job filling in for Le'Veon Bell. The old line's pretty solid. I was actually going to highlight James Washington as my breakout player, but then Mello beat me to the rundown today. So it, there are a lot of exciting things there. I think the keys are can Big Ben stay healthy? And what is this locker room like without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? Right? Where, because whether you believe it or not, there were reports that that was a problem. So what is the locker room like this year? I think that's one of the keys. And a reason that I think this team could go 12-4 and four, or they could go 8-8. Eight and eight. It feels like there's a massive swing there. I went 9-7. and seven. I think they'll be fighting for a wild card spot with some of those teams from the AFC West, like the Chargers. Uh, I don't see think we're going to see a lot of competition from the AFC East, but the AFC South, when we get to it on the Friday show, there's a lot of talent there. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's hand out some awards for the AFC North. It's hardware time. You guys know the drill. Let's hand out MVP awards for the AFC North, and I'm going to scoot my chair away from Mello real quick. And I'm going to pick Baker Mayfield. I think swinging, the, swinging. I think the Browns win the division, and that makes the second-year quarterback the MVP. Uh, he is—he's so exciting. I, I really do think we're seeing a young Drew Brees with like a a, a personality. I think like if Tom Brady talked more, like that's yeah, the kind I, of we've personality. We've never seen a personality no, like this. Uh, nope, no one. I really do. I, I think that this is the start of a, an amazing career. Uh, Baker Mayfield is is going to be like solidly a top 10 quarterback in 2019. And I think he'll be in that conversation with guys like Mahomes and Watson as one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. 
Leave my man's name out your mouth. He's not going to be up there with Mahomes. But, yeah, he'll be in that next tier. The reason I didn't pick Baker Mayfield is because I think the talent around him, I think that everybody's going to see the Odell Beckhams, the Jarvis Landrys, the Nick Chubb, maybe even Kareem Hunt. And then that's going to take away from his MVP voting. So I went with Juju. I think that just the production that we've seen out of him so far in his young career, even with a guy like Antonio Brown on the field last year, he caught 111 passes and seven touchdowns. I think that a lot of the attention is going to go through him this year. Maybe he takes a step back because you don't have another elite receiver across from you on the opposite side. But I do love Juju, and I think that he's going to have another great year. I mean, in his just two short seasons that he's had so far, he caught 58 passes and then 111. He took a huge jump last year. He was a breakout player. I think he takes another jump this year, and he's going to be the MVP of this division. I went with wide receiver as well, and it goes back to what Matt just said or or Melo just said about, you know, Baker's going to have a lot around him, and that's either going to elevate him to being an MVP-type player in this division or the other guys are going to look really good as well. So I went with Odell Beckham. I think people have almost forgotten how special of a player Odell can be when he's on the field for a full season. Now, we haven't seen that for two years, but getting back to that form, he can catch 90 to 100 balls double-digit touchdowns, and easily get to that 1,300-yard mark. So I know there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed. Jarvis Landry, of course, the tight end situation. Nick Chubb even said it. He's, listen, I don't always want to have to catch the ball. So I don't know if Duke Johnson's going to be there. It really doesn't seem like it. Odell is going to be the guy in this offense. And I think the targets, the volume is going to be there for him to be the guy. So I'm excited about him in this division, and I really think he can elevate himself as the best playmaker in this division very quickly. Yeah, speaking of Duke Johnson, he actually fired his agent, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> he he's trying to get out of town. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you guys on all those. Odell, I think Odell could have one of those years where he catches like 75 balls, but it's for like 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. You know, like maybe the catches aren't super high because there are a lot of mouths to feed, but he's going to have a big year. Let's talk about defensive Player of the year. I am going with Miles Garrett, who had 13 and a half sacks last year. I don't know. Did you guys know he had 13 and a half sacks last year? That was he had the, a only, f- the only reason I did was because he came out and was complaining about or saying the staff limited him his move set. So I was like, oh, how many sacks did Miles Garrett have last year? 13 then you see half. 13 and a half, and you're like, well, how much were they really limiting you? That's what you want to know. Right. Yeah. Uh. Amazing year. He is just scratching the surface. A great guy as well. Like, he is fucking hilarious. He's smart. He's powerful. He's athletic. Uh, and I also, I really like seeing the guy that we were like, this is a generational talent. Oh, second year, he has 13 and a half sacks and was held back. And you see him doing the box jumps this year in the offseason that he's doing. He has like 50-pound dumbbells. He's ready to go. And he's doing box jumps none of that fake knife fighting shit (laughs) well well, i mean that was aaron donald so i think it did pay off even though it was ridiculous Uh, i'm going to disagree here with you and i'm going to go with tj watt who quietly had a very good year as well you talk about how miles garrett had 13 and a half sacks tj watt had 13 and he also had six forced fumbles and 68 tackles kind of quietly had a very good year I expect him to take another leap this year in his third year he's going to wreak havoc on these offenses I love his game just the Watt brothers when they're not being corny and singing Fort Minor they get the job done on the field when they're healthy so I think that he's actually going to take a big leap he's going to be the defensive player of the year this year yeah, the Fort Minor singing has to go. But I love <laughs> I love Miles Garrett. He's twenty three years old, coming off double digit sack season, like Matt said. I'm I'm going with Miles Garrett all the way. I just I think this is kind of a no brainer here, especially the talent around him. I'm fascinated to see how teams really scheme up to protect their quarterbacks against the Browns because there are a lot of dudes trying to get uphill, but he he's the one. Yeah, it is gonna be a fun year. And I will say with TJ Watt, that is a really good story because when he was drafted, a lot of people were like, oh, he just got drafted because his brother. And, that, you know, he's actually been a really good player. Even he had a good rookie year. And people were like, they're all opportunity sacks. Like, it's not, he's not creating anything on his own. Now, I think he's one of the best young pass rushers in the league. How about rookie of the year? There are a lot of players to choose from in this division, even though the Browns didn't have a first round pick and the Bengals' first round pick got hurt. Still a lot of guys. I'm going to go with Marquise Brown. I think if Lamar Jackson is to take that step, Marquise Brown will be a huge part of that. And speaking as a Texas fan, this dude tore the shit out of us in the Big 12 Championship. Or not the Big 12 Championship game. The Red River shootout before he got hurt in the Big 12 Championship game. 
Marquise Brown's speed and elusiveness in the open field is truly special. If he can stay healthy and not be broken in half against NFL defenders, he will have a great year. His ability to stretch the field, he is so explosive with the ball in his hands. I think we'll see big things from Marquise Brown. And I'm going to go back to the Cleveland Browns. They had a great draft, quietly, I guess. And they took Mac Wilson, who was a linebacker that we had in the first round, a couple for our mock drafts. He slid to the fifth round pick, but I think that he's going to come in. You know that those Alabama guys, they're field ready. He's going to come in and he's going to be able to produce. I think this could be a situation not as good as Darius Leonard, but he's going to produce from day one. I think he's going to earn his reps on that defense. They have a very good defensive line in front of him. They have a pretty damn good secondary behind him, and that's going to allow him to roam and make plays. I like this game in Alabama, and I think it's going to transition well to this Cleveland Browns defense. I'm staying at the linebacker position in this division as well and going with Devin Bush. I just think he's going to be a tackling machine. He's a playmaker. We've seen him excel at the blitz in college, getting after the quarterback when they asked him to. I think he can run and cover sideline to sideline. And once again, he's going to come in and stop the run. He's guaranteed to be on the field probably every snap right away as a rookie, which is not often the case for a lot of these guys. So there's a lot of exciting first-year players in this division. I just think Devin Bush will be the most productive one out of them all. I wanted to use him, and I was the last one to the rundown today. So I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steal Loser. him. Loser, yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I get for watching the home run derby and then Stranger Things last night. What an idiot! All right, most improved player in the division. I'm gonna piggyback because Melo took James Washington for his breakout player. I'm going to use him for most improved. I do think that we're going to see him pick up a lot of the targets that were going AB's way. Obviously, Juju's going to be the guy, but I do think James Washington is going to break out. And we've seen that already, that people from Pittsburgh are already talking about how excited they are about his ability. It was a second-round pick. I know they have Dante Moncrief. I know they drafted Deontay Johnson because they just take players that Melo loves. They have Eli Rogers. They have Ryan Switzer. I think James Washington emerges as a really good number two option for an offense that has no tight end. That is a fantastic pick, Matt. I, I love it. I, I can't even disagree. And I'm actually going to steal your breakout player oh. because I'm going with Terrell Edmonds. I think that we hated on this guy a lot for where he was drafted. Nobody really expected him to go in the first round, and we hated on him for it. But the guy has found a role in the NFL. He's just he's a big, strong safety that plays in the box, and I think that plays well in Pittsburgh. It worked very well for guys they've had there before. And I think that he can take that next step forward and be very improved this year now that he's in that second year and he's a little bit more comfortable. I'm going with someone who's been slept on a little bit these first two years, Marlon Humphrey. I think he goes from very, very good corner last year to superstar status this year. And you look at the numbers last year, they're pretty. 15 passes broken up, two interceptions. But what he was able to do just purely in coverage was phenomenal. Now you look at who he's playing with, whether it's the corners across from him, Earl Thomas, and of course Tony Jefferson will be back. They'll be behind him. Marlon Humphrey has exceeded what I expected as a prospect already, and I think he can be mentioned as that solidified as a top-five corner by the end of this season. All right, there it is. That is our AFC North preview. As always, tweet us, Astic Football. Hit us up on your iTunes review. Let us know any names we missed, any names you have questions about. I mean, you guys can't ask us questions. Don't just yell at us all the time. We come back. Let's get into some draft on draft. It is time for your draft on draft questions. A lot of good ones this week. Let's get it started here. Pat Chamberlain, our guy. What event do you want the NFL to have that could be their equivalent of the home run derby? And who do you want to see compete at it? Are you guys old enough to remember when the NFL would do like the long ball challenge? I can even remember sometimes when they would have, I know Chad Johnson just did this 40 yard dashing where no one's been paid yet, but where they would actually have like 40 yard dash races at the Pro Bowl. We were talking earlier about how to make the Pro Bowl better. I think like real skill challenges would do it. No fucking sand flag football, okay? Ruining careers, but actual skills challenges and make it a big deal. Like put a million bucks on the line. You know the NFL has the money. Like who could throw the farthest ball? Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Cam Newton or Tyree Jackson? Million bucks on the line. Who can do it? Yeah, and I agree with you too. The skills competition, the long ball with the quarterback throw, and also when they had to throw at targets. I really liked that. And Matt, we tried to do that so many times in our backyard. <laughs> just setting up like sticks and targets and it didn't work for us but they're the NFL they have the money so I would like to see that 
And I would also like to see some of these NFL players go back and have to do combine competitions. Like the line that they have to run for receivers. The gauntlet. The gauntlet. I want to see that. I would like to see these offensive linemen do the bench press again or the running back agilities and just time it, make it like a you know an obstacle course or whatever. But I would do it by position maybe. But I would like to see them do some of these other combine events that they did when they were you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. I want to see them do that now with the athletic ability that they have. They should do a skills contest, basically like a field day of a skills contest, but everybody has to do a different position. So the quarterbacks have to punt or kick. maybe the defensive linemen have to kick. The punters have to run the 40s. The running backs maybe throw. Just mix it all up because that's what people get excited about, what they haven't seen yet. Like the video that BR Gridiron posted, which that account's been it's been awesome. I suggest everyone to go follow it. A lot of our content will be there as well. But Muhammad Sanu has Throwing an the absolute, absolute cannon. Absolute cannon. So I think people love to see that, the unknown, and that would be hilarious in a skills competition. Well, I always love, you see it on Hard Knocks all the time, like, okay, if this offensive lineman catches a punt, mm-hmm. practice, practice is, is over. over. Like, yep. that, that stuff's always good. So I'm with you. I think that would be a lot of fun. Like, uh, they should have a pitcher's home run derby. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Like, right? guys like Madison the- Bumgarner would kill it. I hate yeah, him too. Yeah, him I would actually Verlander love would be to so see. Angry. Oh God, he would be. These balls are juiced. I wish the MLB would do like a like a veteran home run derby. Get guys like Jim Tomey and King Griffey Jr. and uh, you know. Yeah, I don't J- know if they want to do it. Yeah, baseball players get lazy, man. Yeah. They're just like, yeah. We were talking about also, that. Also, that looked exhausting. We were talking about that night. last night. Do you know how sore your like abs and and hands oh, would be? Every everything, your hips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. Forget that. I'm trying to be lazy. Jake Rummy. Top five favorite old school video games. I'm, That's the, a Friday segment. That is a Friday segment. Maybe we save that one. I will say, though, Tecmo Super Bowl is to blame for me being who I am. Yeah, I, going through there and playing with Jerry Rice and Bo Jackson, I think that has to be one of the top five favorite video games. You could also edit the depth chart. First time ever you could do that. Was it? Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Oh, man. Old video games. I was trying to think of non-sports titles. You have to mention NCAA football. Just until they bring it back, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I love that game with the recruiting and the way that the gameplay is. That's going to be an all-time game. Like, if they even just took NCAA 14 and re-released it, don't change anything about it. Just, oh, I can go buy a new one for PlayStation 3 or, you know, your Xbox. I would go do it. I would buy it today, $60, so I could have it on my PS4. Yeah, I would too. Just remaster it. That's And that, they do that a ton now. That would be awesome. Top five favorite old school video games. That has to be a full Friday show segment. Yeah, we'll save that I mean, one. We could, be here, we could be here all day, <laughs> right. starting with Super Nintendo all the way through. I guess we'll cut it off at, like, PlayStation. No joke. I mean, I'll, I'll throw a duck hunt up there. I ain't afraid. All right, Andrew Magnuson. Four, speaking of video games, my God, you guys are bored right now. Four players will have a 99 overall rating in this year's Madden. What players do you think deserve a 99 rating? So I, I jotted down four that I would consider giving a 99 to. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Then Aaron Donald. Yep. That's a no-brainer, right? I think Saquon Barkley could. Ooh, you think? I think he's just so versatile. Yeah, I just think it's too early for him because it's almost like a longevity thing. Like you have to. Mahomes is a third-year player, but he did five thousand and fifty, so that's that's a little different. Well, then I went Khalil Mack. Those are my four. I was going to say Khalil Mack too, and then I don't know. I think OBJ should be like. There's no receiver that has been in the league in the last ten years that has his athleticism and hands. That combination, he should be a ninety-nine overall. Yeah, Donald is like the undisputed one. Oh man! But you know, there's like there's not a tight end anymore. Like it used to be Gronk had a higher rating than Brady. Like that's not happening anymore. Right. So yeah. there's not a lineman. You know, like there's not there are good left tackles in the NFL. There's no Joe Thomas. No, like, even no. Like, Ty- Tyron Smith was the closest, right? Right. Yeah, and I don't think there's a corner. Like I, I love Jalen Ramsey. I wouldn't give him a ninety-nine. Not ninety-nine. Got safety. Not a ninety-nine. No. Jamal Adams isn't getting a 99. Derwin James not 99, isn't. yeah. Yeah, because you, you have to be in the league for a little bit. I think maybe maybe we can see two pass rushers. Maybe Von Miller still gets it. I do think the only one I saw, The only one I saw announced was Aaron Donald. So I don't know if the other ones are out yet, but I would have said Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, 
I think they get, I think Mahomes gets it because of the MVP. Yeah, I and I mean Mahomes is a video game character. He like, really is. With how he plays, speed, arm strength, everything, field vision. Those are the three like no-brainers to me. I don't know who the fourth would be. Are we missing an obvious? That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> like I, I have no idea who the fourth would be. Maybe Saquon. Yeah, that's my Maybe. Vote. That's probably gonna be like a fullback or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd Punter. be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so he actually asked a bonus question. If NCAA football 2020 existed, who would get 99s? So oh, I think Trevor Lawrence would. I think Jerry Judy would. And Grant Chase Delpo. Young would be up there. Grant Delpo would be up there. I would limit yeah. it. I like that yeah. Madden's limiting it to like, oh, we're going to, you know, only four. It's it not like we have two guys. Game. Yeah. The, and I think that's why it needs to be like almost generational guys, like a Trevor Lawrence, Jerry Judy, maybe even that's, that's it. That's probably it. Like that's the only two. And the fact that they're a sophomore and a junior is crazy. I don't know if there's anybody that's really lighting up the NCAA. Two would senior. be like a 95. I, I actually, I can see Jonathan Taylor. If you go back and you look at the game, that. because of how they performed as college players, like this guy rushes for like 2,000 yards every year. I think that if they re-release this game, he would be a 99 overall, or at least a 98, like minimum. Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor has to be in the conversation. Yeah. Because it's about them as college football players. Right. Yeah, not as he dominates. No, he dominates. Tua would be way up there. Tua would be too. Jalen Hurts probably fairly high. We're talking about college football players. Yeah. What would Sam Ellinger be? Like a 94. Yeah, toughness would be 100. Yeah. All right, Yeah, tackle, 102. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I put this one in here, guys. We've answered this question in it, some form before, but our guy Yate Dog, this is his first ever tweet, and it was wow. to us. He said, if you were to start an expansion team starting at the 2020 draft with the number one pick, who would you take with your first and second round picks? And then he, he wants, you know, the city name, colors, identity. All that in there. So to backtrack, I have said before, you got to be the Orlando Sharks. You got to be black and gold. With the first pick, I would trade it. <laughs> of course you would. I would trade it. Uh, Mr. Trade Happy. Right? There's not one player this yes. year that I'm like, oh, I have to have Chase Young. Because you can, you can lose out for Trevor Lawrence in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I would trade it too. Yeah, I would, I, go no, I would go no quarterback with the expansion team. No, I would take Jerry Judy first overall. I'd keep it because I'm going to lose with a shitty quarterback and get so that next the next pick. Odell. And then in the second round, if I can find an offensive lineman, like a Walker Little, one of those guys from Iowa, I mean, they, they could probably play right tackle at least for me. So if I can do that, I would. Or maybe even find an edge rusher in this class. But I would take Jerry Judy first overall. As far as like where I would go and what the team name would be, I don't know. I guess I'm not creative enough. Say all my favorite Anchorage, cities. Anchorage, yeah. Alaska. <laughs> the Anchorage Eskimos. Yeah, or put there a team go. back in San Diego. Yeah. San Diego it's, Sharks. That would work. This go. conversation comes up all the time, and I just don't know what city is thirsting for a football team. I, thought, I think we, we saw glimpses of it with San Antonio, with the AAF. I don't know if it's sustainable. Not with Houston and Dallas like having right? a team That's already. That's the problem. Same with Austin. Like Those are two great cities. They have a huge great population. Cities. I don't know that we're supporting a third team in What in about Texas. Toronto? Or is Buffalo too close? I don't know. No, no, no. Toronto, you could do it in Toronto. You could definitely do it in Toronto. Yeah. Or do oh, just, The problem is, do people care? Right. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah. yeah. It's it is a good question. We need to get somebody from the NFL who like does the market research of like this city needs a team. What, now. what city do you think can hold a second team? So I was actually right about to say that. I don't know um I think it was when the Panthers got their expansion team. Chicago was actually a front runner to get a second team. And they thought back then I mean this was like ninety four, they thought Chicago could hold a second team. So I think they can. I think they could too. I mean they have two baseball teams, no problem. I don't know if those legendary fans are baseball leave. teams, though. Yeah, now that the Bears are good again, I think that would be hard. Yeah, like I think five when, years ago, I think when they done. were frustrated with ownership and like, so that's almost you almost need that. You know, San Francisco could use a team because the Raiders well, with, are moving. Yeah, with, the Niners are an hour south, mm-hmm. so another Bay Area team. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you could do yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. with That, that one too. makes a lot of sense. 
Even it's if you, tricky, yeah. man. There's so much football already in Texas that it's hard to put another team there. But yeah. you look at everywhere else, and it's like, mm, I don't know. That's why I don't think we will see expansion in the NFL for a very long time. I just I don't know that we yeah. need more teams with the balance of the 32. Each division has four teams. Oh, it's just they're going to find a way to do London. They're oh, yeah, that's true. They're going to yeah, find, but Mexico I think City. it won't be an expansion. I think they're going to move a team to London. It's going to be a shit show, though. The London Knights just has a ring to it. Yeah, and it'll be the Jaguars. So bye. It will be. It sucks that for is, them. I mean, they will be. They've them. rallied, but it just feels like it's going to be them. Uh-huh. Oh, it really it'll, it will be. They them. play there like every year and already. There go our mentions <laughs> for the whole week. I, I think like they the gladly accept it. Yeah, it's not my the owners, decision. not the fans. Yeah, the fans <laughs> definitely won't. They no. would be pissed. But if somebody's going across the bay, or, I would know, change the team name too. Don't do the thing where you like move the team and keep the logo and the colors. You just the reboot London Jags. Yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, unless you don't yeah. do the car. Then it kind of makes sense, but not the Here's animal. the thing. I actually want to know this from our UK listeners. If a team came over, because they are loyal fans already. They have their teams. Yeah. I, a ton of Browns fans. A ton of Browns fans. The Rams have a really good following. Do they just drop the team? I don't think they do. I think they stick with the team they love and just go to the games when their team comes into town. I've wondered right? that, too. I did a scouting class Monday night with a, a dude from north of London, and he said he doesn't have an NFL team. He just has players. So he kind of equated it to, like, probably how I follow the NBA. Like, I like NBA yep. players. I don't have a team. Um, he was a diehard Wisconsin fan, which is kind of cool, and he's actually coming to the Wisconsin-Michigan Holy tailgate shit. tour game. Nice. I was like, dude, we're awesome. coming to England. Like, You just wait and <laughs> yeah, see us there. You don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, nope, diehard. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, it will be fun. All right, last question. Justin Tarbell, the barbell, <laughs> in honor of our badass U.S. women's national team goal celebrations, what is your favorite sports celebration of all time? And I want to steal two before you guys can. The Jordan Shrug. Oh, God, I was going to use that one. And then Brandy Chastain. Ripping the fucking jersey off and sliding on her knees, like fist pumping. Yeah, that obviously that's a good one, and it goes right with the soccer. I can't believe you took the Jordan one because I was going the to. The Jordan shrug is the best. Because it was so in the moment, just, I don't know how the fuck I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm just Michael Jordan, and I'm going to keep doing it. So that was a good one. Damn it. Uh, I always liked the Neil Smith home run swing. After he would get a sack. That was always one of my favorites. I think I tried to pull that out when I was playing like rec league football in the day. But that was always one of my favorite ones. I still love the uh, Joey Bats bat flip in the playoffs. I mean, he just destroys the ball, mm-hmm. but then stands at the plate staring and just throws the bat. Which not is, a flip. Just <laughs> No, it's not even, it's yeah, not a even really what... Yeah, it's just absolutely epic. Stares at the pitcher, throws the bat. Uh, here's a deep cut that Jets fans will know. James Hedebo, who was a longtime special teamer for them, used to do the Grave Digger celebration. He would oh, come wow. in. Rex would, Rex would have him play in sub packages, and he'd blitz as a corner or a defensive back, and he'd get a free sack. Like he, It would happen like two or three times a year. Or he'd make a great special teams play, and he would do the gr- digging the graves. It was so long and drawn out for a special teams player, but it was all- and yeah, it's like the forty eighth man on the roster. But <laughs> which makes it better? I, somebody's got to steal that shit. Like somebody really, really good has to steal that shit because it was awesome. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know how you'll find it because it's probably not on YouTube. But I'll do my best to to dig it up. Get it? The next time dig we get. A young, nice. The next time we get a young <laughs> defender on stick to football, I want to try to convince them to do the yes. Stone Cold as their celebration. Like I want you to sh- to shake the beers, crack them. Like anytime you get a sack, stand over them. Right. <laughs> and top candidates and to do fine. that would be. I bet Chris Jones would do it. You think a Watt brother for sure? Oh yeah, yeah. Man, a Bosa I, I brother. Think... A Bosa. Yeah. The, the theme this this year for the NFL for touchdowns should be. Uh, like wrestling acts. Oh, like that'd he be gets great. a re- right. Like somebody just somebody hides a ladder really <laughs> close to the sidelines and hangs a belt up on the goalpost and climbs the ladder. Right. Like that kind of shit would be like you put a teammate through a table or maybe like a water boy. I don't know if you should a be water boy be even teammates. better. Man, we got to get some players on and start convincing them to do some shit that'll piss off Roger Goodell. Let's just try to get people fined and then we'll raise we're, money to pay the fine. That. We're, We're good at starting 
instigating. <laughs> we are good. Kind of shit stirs here. Undefeated, by the way. All right, that's our show. Tweet us, let us know what celebration did we not think of because there have been so many good ones. Uh, and again, congrats to our women's national team. Connor, you're going to the parade, right? Yeah, I think so. That's it's going to be... Cr- I'm going to have to... Don't tell my bosses. But, they um, don't listen to the show anyway. It's fine. Uh, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be at the parade. And uh, also congrats to Pete Alonso. The only hope we have. Yeah, yeah. The Mets finally won something. We're proud of you. We'll be back Friday uh, morning. Appreciate you in the AFC South. Talking football. We'll see you guys then.